Well, good morning. First Sunday of 2019. And uh, thank you to everyone who's participated in worship so far, the music team, communion, prayers, reader. And, uh, you know, when God looks at us, we are all the worship team. And the worship comes from our heart. So before I share with you uh, my message for this morning, let's pray. Jesus, we have been worshipping you this morning in song. And we come before you now and want to hear your voice. I pray that the inadequacy of my words will be covered by your adequacy. We lift your name, Jesus, and praise you. And as we've sung, we thank you for all you have done and all that you are going to do. Amen. Well, as the clock turned over midnight on Monday evening, we were part of the great crowd down on the Strand watching the fireworks over Melbourne. It's become a bit of a tradition, lots and lots of people, and each year there seem to be more and more illegal fireworks. So the sky was filled with bursts of colour, great flashes of the explosions as the fireworks appeared, and it all looked pretty wonderful. It looked beautiful for about 10 minutes at a huge cost. Then I was really struck the next day in, as I watched a television news report and saw a report of the cleaning up that happened in Melbourne on New Year's Day by a band of cleaners. And as they cleaned up all the discarded rubbish from the New Year's Eve party goers, it seemed so magnificent the night before, and the next day it seemed ugly. A spectacle of trash. And it reminded me about the human condition, the best and the worst the brilliance and then the trash that sometimes is part of life. Like you, I heard many Happy New Year greetings and we wonder how this year might unfold. Enough days have passed since the 1st of January, it's now the 6th, for any New Year resolutions to have been broken. Although if any of you have already keeping one, well done. I didn't make any. But the first Sunday of the new year is a helpful reminder that we can have a new beginning every day. As it says in the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Isn't it wonderful? that we have this reminder that we can actually have a new start every day. We don't have to wait for a new year to try to get our lives in order. Today as a church, we start a new series, Song of Summer, based on the Psalms. We've already focused on the Psalms already through uh, the communion talk and the prayer, the reading, and what we have been singing Today it is about a God who hears us, based on the psalm, Psalm 20. 
Next week, Tex is going to be speaking on a God who saves us. Then the week after, we'll hear about a God who changes us. And then at Brunch Church, on the last weekend in January, Janet is going to lead us in thinking about a God who knows us. So as we focus on the Psalms, we're thinking about a God who hears us, a God who saves us, a God who changes us, and a God who knows us. I was at the airport early on Wednesday morning, second day of the new year, to farewell a missionary family who are friends of ours, who are returning to a Bangkok slum after spending a year in Melbourne on sabbatical for rest and renewal, for healing and and refreshment. And while waiting for them to check in, I wrote on a piece of paper a verse, a couple of verses from Psalm 121 to give them as I gave them their goodbye hug. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. They are such good words for us to hold for this coming year. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, wherever this year might take you. A focus on the Psalms provides a a helpful way of commencing a new year. They express the outpouring of our emotions and our circumstances of of God's people. Because in every experience, no matter how deep the pain might be or how frustrating or exhilarating our situation might be, we can find psalms that echo our innermost thoughts. The psalms address the entire range of human experience. The Book of Psalms is a collection of different kinds of poetry written by different authors and covering centuries of history. They grew out of the life of a community of faith as people used their songs and poetry to worship God, to plead with him, to express their anger, their despair and their joy. And so we have lament psalms which contain cries to God of distress or sorrow in suffering, often questioning why and yet ending with an affirmation of faith in God in the midst of suffering. There are psalms of praise and thanksgiving. There are songs of trust. There are wisdom psalms which tell us how we ought to live. And liturgical psalms used in public ceremonies of worship and praise. So for us, they become a guide for our worship, a guide for life, a commentary, really, on life, an example of utmost honesty before God. You won't find anything hidden in the Psalms, and they demonstrate the importance of prayer and meditation in our own life. And so here are some just different verses gathered from the range of the 150 Psalms that there are. When life seems to be going well for us, We sense stability in our walk with God and with others. We might go to Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is 
when God's people live together in unity. Or when we feel our world is turned upside down and we have that sense that God might have abandoned us, we don't sense his presence as as we might at other times, we could use the words of Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Remember from the cross, Jesus cried out from Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? Then when we are surprised by joy and know that God's presence is real, we could use the words of Psalm 30. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord my God, I will praise you forever. And then there's a section of the Psalms that deal with Israel's history and their, uh, the reminder of how God had led them from, out, from Egypt through the wilderness to Canaan. And there's this remarkable verse in Psalm 106, verse 25, which shows us that human nature has not changed. It says, They grumbled in their tents and did not obey the voice of the Lord. They grumbled in their tents. It's a reminder that at times we are in that place of grumbling, aren't we? And neglect to hear the voice of the Lord. There is no pretense in the Psalms rather than this deep and honest outpouring of the human response to life. And the amazing thing, God hears it. He hears all of it, all of it. He doesn't turn away from the emotions of anger or distress or grumbling. He hears it and understands our situation. Jesus prayed and sang many of the Psalms as part of his Jewish tradition. And in fact, it's the book of the Old Testament that Jesus quotes from the most, the book of Psalms. Tom Wright, New Testament scholar and theologian said, sing these songs and they will renew you from head to toe, from heart to mind. Pray these poems and they will sustain you on the long, hard, but exhilarating road of Christian discipleship. So the Psalms are there in uh, the whole of the Bible as a wonderful resource for us in our life and in our Christian walk. So let's have a little bit of a deeper look at Psalm 20. So... I was saying to text before, it's interesting when a reading is given to you to preach on, you have to work hard. You've got to go through the discipline of preparation. It's uh, it's perhaps not the psalm I would have necessarily chosen on this theme, God hears us, a God who hears us. So I... um, after I got through a bit of my resistance at first, I've really enjoyed getting into this psalm. 
So psalms such as Psalm 20, uh, maybe, Paulina, could we have the psalm up there, please, just as a reminder, if that's possible. Thank you. So Psalm 20 would function as a prayer before the king and army went out to war or at the time of the king's enthronement, anticipating future wars. The war imagery is very clear in this psalm. Military objects such as chariots, horses, banners, and in the cries for victory in battle. God's people, including the king, and we're told this was a psalm of David, King David, they pray because they are in great need. So today we're going to broaden the context beyond the military setting mentioned in this psalm. These verses become our prayer. In times of trouble, may the Lord answer your cry. Or before facing a challenge, may he send you help and strengthen you. When have you prayed a prayer like that? It may not have been in words. It might have been the cry of your heart, God, this is how I'm feeling and it's too overwhelming for me to even express it or to pray. So this is when God hears the cry of the heart. God hears both kinds of prayers, vocal and silent. As Paul says in Romans 8, 26, 27, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. So don't get discouraged if you are at a time when you feel you can't pray. The Holy Spirit within you is praying, is expressing those cries and those groanings within you and putting them into words for the Father. Eugene Peterson in the message expresses it this way, and I find this very helpful. God's spirit is right alongside us, helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves and keeps us present before God. Isn't that a beautiful thought? He knows us far better than we know ourselves. And the Holy Spirit keeps us present before God. It's a matter of the heart. A matter of the heart. During the week I read an article by Henry Nowen about meeting God in our heart. And I think it's worth sharing. In the biblical understanding, our heart is a symbol for the very centre of our being. Now, the beautiful thing about the heart is that the heart is the place where we are most ourselves. So forget about what our Facebook image might be or what you project to other people or what you expect of yourself. Your heart is the place 
where you are most yourself. It is the very core of our being, the spiritual centre of our being. Solitude and silence, for instance, are ways to get to the heart because the heart is the place where God hears us and speaks to us, where we hear the voice that calls us beloved. In the well-known story in 1 Kings 19, Elijah was standing in front of the cave. And after his incredible experience before King Ahab and all the, the prophets, he fled. He was depressed, discouraged. So much spiritual energy had gone out of him. And he experienced God not in the storm, not in the fire, not in the earthquake, but God was in that soft little voice. First Kings 19, if you want to read that story. That soft little voice speaks to the heart. Prayer and solitude are ways to listen to the voice that speaks to our heart in the centre of our being. But, we, you know, we have to be intentional, don't we, about having times of solitude and silence. They don't come naturally in our worlds that are saturated with information and people and things going on. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said this, Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role-play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. This is your father you are dealing with and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. Matthew 6. And then he gave them what we call the Lord's Prayer as the model for our praying. It's extremely deep, but it's also simple. It's not long. There is a transition in the psalm in the second half. See halfway down there? Now this I know. So the prayer of petition and intercession has happened, and then the psalmist says, now this I know. It moves to this confident assertion, I know that the Lord helps his anointed king. He will answer him, or uh, the Lord gives victory to his anointed, he answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. So a God who hears us, and leads us to a place where we can say, now this I know. We all face the difficulty of praying for certain outcomes, but they don't happen in the way that we want or in the time frame that we expect. We all go through that, don't we? It may be about healing, and it doesn't happen, or reconciliation with a family member or friend, and it might not happen quickly, or a situation to be made right in the world. Paul experienced this when he prayed about 
a thorn in his flesh which tormented him. There are various uh, theories and interpretations about what that might have been. But he prayed for it, whatever it was, to be removed. It says here that he prayed three times, but that actually means he prayed many times. But the response he received from the God who heard Paul was this. My grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. 2 Corinthians 12. One of the things that I like to do between Christmas and New Year is read through my journal for the year. Now, I don't journal every day, but I journal frequently. And it records my thoughts, my prayers, the things I'm struggling with, things I need to confess, things I'm grateful for, things I don't understand, and I collect quotes that I have read or snippets from sermons that I've heard. What I discover as I read through the pages of the year is how over a period of time, sometimes months, something shifts. It might be a resolution of a problem or a change in my attitude or I come to a new perspective. But what is evident is an awareness that I am being sustained by the presence of the God who hears me in the good and the not so good. In this short psalm, three times the name of God is mentioned. So this is at the end of the psalm, we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And it's there earlier in the psalm as well. Three times the name of God. Now in the Hebrew tradition, name represents the presence of the Lord. God is present as we call on his name. We've done that in worship already. His help, his strength, his power, his compassion, his wisdom, and much more are there in his name. Our human power and abilities and wisdom are not sufficient on their own to meet the problems of life that we face. Sometimes we might be caught in a situation that happens suddenly. We're not sure what to do. And that's a moment when you can simply say the name Jesus. You don't even have to say it aloud. You can, but you say it in your heart. Jesus, help me. So sometimes there are experiences where we know that God has heard us over a long period of time. And then those instances where he will come to our help immediately because we need it. It's in God's hands. It requires trust that calling on the name of the Lord, calling on the name of Jesus, will bring everything that is behind that name into our experience. We sang earlier, my saviour, redeemer. When we say the name Jesus, we're bringing all of that into our life and believing in his power. 
praise the name of Jesus. So, thinking of the Psalms and this Psalm in particular, what can we carry into this year as encouragement and hope? We have the assurance that Jesus is with us always. Two weeks ago, almost two weeks ago, celebrating Christmas, Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us. We have the Holy Spirit as comforter and counsellor and guide. We have the confidence and trust that God hears us deep within our heart, whether we voice it or not. So let us remember and trust in the name of the Lord our God and rise up and stand firm in his strength. Not trusting in chariots and horses or whatever the 21st century equivalent is. Trusting in the name of the Lord. Knowing that as you call on the name of the Lord, his sustaining grace will carry you through whatever unfolds in the year ahead. Because as you look back on the past year, you know that despite all of the difficulties that you faced and the joyful times as well, God's sustaining grace was underneath it all. As Deuteronomy says, underneath are the everlasting arms bearing us up and holding us. So in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, I say... Amen. I'm going to ask you to pray with me now. And we'll have a moment of quietness. And then I'm actually going to ask you to say out loud the name Jesus. I'll say the name Jesus and then you say the name Jesus with me. And whatever you need from Jesus today, believe that as you say his name, he is bringing that into your life experience. Let us pray. We believe in your name, Jesus. We believe that you are Lord. We believe that there will be a time when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord. And we lift you up, Lord, this morning. And we say your name, Jesus. Say it with me. Jesus. Say it believing that he is here with us. Jesus. Jesus. And so, Lord, as we enter this year, we pray that we will call on your name often, knowing that you have opened the way for us to come directly to the throne of grace where God hears us and understands us. Thank you that throughout our life journey, you have been standing there waiting for us to turn to you. And this morning, Lord, we turn to you again. 
we thank you, Jesus, that you are with us always, as you promised. And we thank you for that abiding hope that one day we will fall down before you and see you face to face. Praise your name, Jesus. Amen. And can I encourage you today that if there is anyone who would like prayer, would like to talk more about what it means to call on the name of Jesus, just come to the front at the end of the service. There are some people who are able to pray with you, to talk with you. May God bless you as you go into the rest of this year.